Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lafondra looking to get side of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 Reading. Three points Reading. Hello everyone and welcome to the Elm Park Royals preview prod- podcast. Podcast? Podcast. It's definitely a podcast. We're definitely not prodding people. Um, it is of course brought to you by Phantom Brewery, everyone's favourite brewery in Reading and Caversham. So we are looking forward to towards our game on Sunday. I keep wanting to say Saturday. I keep thinking it's Saturday at three o'clock. It is not. It is at the abysmal time of Sunday at 12 o'clock. I never like those kickoffs, Sunday 12 o'clock. It's just not, it's not right in my opinion. <laughs> um, to preview this side from a Reading perspective, we have of course got Reading FC journalist, Jonathan Lowe from Get Reading. How are you doing, Jonathan? Yeah, good evening, Matt. Uh, very good, thank you. And uh, looking forward to Sunday's game. Uh, like you say, it was, uh, not often do we get to see, uh, see a Reading game at 12 o'clock on a, on a Sunday. I don't think there's... Sure there hasn't been one in the past, I'm not sure. Uh, I know they have played on a Sunday, but I don't know whether it's been at midday. So something new for all of us. Yes. I imagine, I think we played... I have a feeling we played Cardiff once on a Sunday at it might have even been the one where George Puskas decided to turn into his namesake of Puskas. I think it might be that long ago. Um, Cause I, I definitely remember one, but yeah, it's, 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 it's been a while seemingly um, long. May there be a long wait until the next one in my opinion. Cause yeah, I do not like 12 o'clock. <laughs> We're of course coming off the back of Tuesday night in Sheffield. We never travel well to Sheffield, seemingly. Sheffield and Bramall Lane and Reading FC just never ends well for Reading. Um, Jonathan, you got the train back the day after. So uh, what are kind of your thoughts following that? Obviously, we heard from Ince after the game talking about it wasn't our game. You know, we're not here to fight teams like Sheffield. But coming coming off the second 4 nil a second 4-0 defeat of the season. It's going to be quite an important one to bounce back from quite quickly, you'd think. Yeah, very much so. Um, unfortunately, they obviously had experience of a 4-0 defeat already uh, this season. So um, if they can uh, learn from that bounce back then um, uh, and do something similar than that, that would obviously be fantastic. Um, but it, it was just, uh, it was men against boys. It was the Sheffield United were a class apart from, from the get-go, really. Um, I felt... They started very quickly, very sharply, and as soon as they got the first goal, there was there was only one winner 
in it, in my opinion. And and uh, Reading were just left chasing shadows for, for large parts of the game and, and deservedly lost. And yeah, it, it could well have been a, a couple more for Sheffield United as well. So, um, yeah, it's a big lesson, a big learning curve for, for Reading. I think perhaps I know, hinted afterwards about getting carried away with being top of the league. And and uh, like we said uh, before recording, that uh, you know, any fan is going to get a little bit carried away. Uh, and why not? You've got to enjoy the moments uh, when they come. Um, but ultimately, um, it's uh, you know, these games are not going to be uh, not going to define Reading season. Um, it's going to be the ones against teams who are seemingly going to be sort of mid-table and lower 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 down in the table. Uh, and it's important to get as many points off them as possible. So um, yeah, it was it. It was a like I said, a, a big learning curve. Um, they didn't. Uh, I mean, the, you know, there were, it wasn't a performance listed with mistakes or anything like that. But the chef and I did had, had far superior players. They had a, a, a game plan which worked. They had you know, a near full house at Bramall Lane behind them, and um, yeah, like I said, from from, from basically the first whistle, Chef um, and I were on top, and they deservedly came out of three points. Yeah, and kind of summed it up in obviously your interview with him after the game talking about you know when Sheffield United bring on a 20 million pound striker and you've got McBurney on the pitch who's a 20 million pound striker when you're swapping those two you've still got Sander Berg on the pitch who's 25 million you've got Norwood who you know is almost a ever stay at the top of the midfield rankings and the championship seemingly you know it was it's always going to be tough it's always going to be tough I mean one thing that might make it tougher coming into this weekend, something that Ince again kind of mentioned, um, you broke it after the game. There was a substitution made at halftime with uh, Saar. Very soon after coming in, has seemingly been struck down by the Reading FC injury curse. How crucial could that be for this weekend? Or is there a chance, do you think he might be back? Or is it going to be... Is it going to be another kind of makeshift kind of defence, really? Um, I fear it's, it could be a, another makeshift defence. Um, I mean, he, he obviously wasn't risked for the second half, Nabi Sar, so um, that's obviously uh, avoids any further damage. But it's kind of implied that it, he would, you know, it, it would be a, a big ask for for Sar to play against Stoke on Sunday. So. Uh, if I was to, you know, as we're speaking now on the when was it Wednesday evening, um, I'm going to say no, he's he's not going to be available. I mean, obviously that could change, and hopefully the injury is not as bad as first feared. Um, but I fear that uh, you know he's a big player for Reading. He's shown it in his uh, you know a game and a half performance so far. And obviously that brilliant performance at Millwall been a long wait for him to come in and they're certainly not going to risk him uh, anymore so um, I think hopefully he'll be back for the uh, Watford game isn't it a week on Saturday Watford Uh, away yeah yeah. Uh, I imagine he will come back for that Um, and uh, yeah like in the second half at Sheffield United Tom McIntyre will will go back in as the uh, left sided centre back of the well left side of the of the back three and um Guinness Walker's back now so he could well fill in at left wing back or possibly junior Hoyler as well. Or um or of course Baba Raman. So um so there are just, options there. Yeah. yeah no I was just about to mention that because we are recording this on Wednesday evening. We're doing a very early kind of 
preview podcast here for for um, for a Sunday game, being a couple of days away from it. But Bubba Roman did re-sign today. He it's kind of pretty much confirmed it last night. Um, Bubba Rahman also tweeted quite late as well his uh, typical awake tweets, but that was all confirmed today. Um, you'd probably anticipate he comes straight back in. I think Rahman onto on, onto the left. McIntyre then plays in his left centre back position. You would have thought. We spoke about it on the uh, on the post match podcast. I think McIntyre as a centre mid, the experiment it's probably over at this stage. I think I don't know what your thoughts are, Jonathan, but it kind of feels like to me it's petered out a bit, like the Liam Moore kind of experiment at midfield back in I think it was eighteen nineteen or so when we tried him there. Um, I I wouldn't write him off just yet. Um, I think obviously, you know, putting him in against Sheffield United, a team which is always certainly going to be, uh, well, it's going to be in the, in the very least the top six of the championship this season, quite possibly the top two. Um, it's going to be a big ask. Um, you know, he has had a few good games in there, uh, especially under Paunovic. Um, you know, I thought, I thought he filled in quite nicely yeah, and, he, and he looked good on the ball. Um, yeah, as we know, he is. So uh, I, I wouldn't write him off just yet. He's obviously not going to play there every week, um, but he is uh, potentially going to fill in there. You know, potentially late on in games, or, or even if there, I say it, there's going to there's another injury crisis and uh, they're short on you know central defensive midfielders. So, um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, you know write him off just yet. He, he does have a he's got he's got you know he's an intelligent bloke. He's got a good footballing brain and. and uh, I'm sure he can play the position. He, he was, you know, he was exposed like a lot of the players against Sheffield United. So um, I perhaps wouldn't read into it too much. But um, you know, obviously his main position is is centre back, and he can obviously fill in that left wing back and left back as well, um, uh, and midfield. So I think he's an option there. But he's he's not the first choice. So he knows he's not the first choice. But um, you know, if it's uh, him or uh, you know. He would be the first choice out of the other players uh, who could be asked to fit in there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess he's a bit of a utility player, I guess. I think that's the that's the way I think a lot of people see McIntyre at the moment. Um, maybe Ince does as well. His versatility, he can play there. I have to say, I'm not sure I'd, I'd be confident seeing him in, in midfield again. Do you think if he does come back into midfield... You'd kind of be a bit more confident seeing him then in midfield, Jonathan. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I think um, I, I found with um, Tom Holmes uh, to a lesser extent. I find McIntyre plays better at home. Um, obviously, it's the familiar surroundings, the environment, and the, and the having the home fans behind him. Um, I think he, he's just more likely to have a, a better game overall at home. So he was thrown in. Um, at the uh, uh, SCL Stadium, then uh, I'd be pretty confident he, he'd put in a good performance there. Um, you know, away at Sheffield, away, away at Sheffield United on a Tuesday night, it's like we said, it's always going to be difficult, and and there'll be lots of uh, other places um, where it'll be difficult. Um, you know, depending on the scoreline as well, if they're three 0 up at Sunderland, for example, and he fills in for the last twenty minutes, I'm sure he'd probably do all right. So. Um, yeah, there's lots of factors to, to in the equation, um, but uh, yeah, like I said, I I, I don't think he uh, he should be written off just yet uh, as a uh, an emergency midfielder. The one thing you'll always get with him is effort, and that was to his credit. That was one thing he did 
give last night. He may have been running running rings around himself, but he was running <laughs> with um, uh, last night. Um, kind of the the final bone of contention for the weekend is the curious situation and hotly kind of debated on Twitter last night, situation of Lucas Shaw Going into the weekend and playing against Stoke, do you stick with Lucas Shaw or do you bring in Shane Long? Maybe throw in a curveball at all there, Jonathan, with any other starters. What do you do with Lucas Shaw at the moment? Cool, what a question. Um, a million dollar one. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Um, oh, I mean... I mean, that is tough. That is tough. And that's why I'm not the Reading FC manager right now. Uh, or at any time, to be honest. Um, I think I... As much as it pains me to say it, I think I would start him. Um, because he is the main goal threat. He does have the ability to create something out of nothing. Um, and when he is supplied with chances, when he's on form, um, he is... As we know, he's one of the best strikers in the division, and uh, you know, quite often one goal turns into two, and um, you know that, that's probably enough to win a game. So I think you've got to start with your best players. I'm, I'm certainly not saying Shane Long is, is not a good player, uh, anything but. But um, I think I would keep with Jao just for a little bit longer. I know he's not had the best season so far. Clearly, the the injury. Uh, to start things off and then coming off the bench he obviously got that goal um, but then uh, you know, the last couple of games he hasn't been very good looks rather lethargic which uh, we all know he, he is that's just his nature um, but when he is on song and when he is um, happy and, and got, getting chances then uh, there's no better player so um, yes I would stick with him reluctantly I think I think it's a very fair assessment I think We've probably wanted a striker situation where we've wanted to pick between two strikers for quite some time. So it's a nice, some may say it's a nice situation to have where we've got kind of two strikers contending for it. The one thing that I guess you know you will get from Lucas Shaw, you will get a bit of magic. Fingers crossed he can bring that this weekend because we need to bounce back. We need to bounce back against Stoke. You've just lost 4-0. I almost think a draw this weekend just to settle the ship against Stoke. They have Alex Neil coming in, you know, will be his second game at the at the time. Will they get a new manager bounce, etc.? What's kind of your thoughts going into it, Jonathan, and kind of what are your predictions for the weekend? Uh, I think it very much is about the performance um, more than anything. Um, because, uh, like you say, it's, uh, you know, that, that, that 4-0 result at Sheffield United was, was um, you know, it was, Probably take a, a little while to, to digest, but um, yeah, that they should really try and um, you know look to look to shrug it off, and if they can you know replicate that that form after the Rotherham four 0 defeat, then uh, we'll all be extremely happy. So um, I think if they yeah, like you said, probably a, a draw would be a, a good result. Um, Stoke are obviously going to be uh, a bit more up for it than they were perhaps a couple of, couple of weeks ago, um, but you know there's no reason why Reading can't can't bounce back uh, with a victory There's, the home form has obviously been uh, very good so far this season 
uh, if they can keep things tight and, and perhaps get to get the first goal, then uh, obviously that, that helps. And um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be confident, um, perhaps a, a narrow victory. I don't think it'll be anything more than that. Um, but like I say, a draw will be equally uh, uh, good as well. So, um, you know, if they can show that they, uh, they've got a bit of resilience about them and they've got a... Um, you know, positive mindset and, and can, uh, you know, flush that result out of the system as quickly as possible, then uh, that's the most important thing. And, um, yeah, like you said, a point would be a, t- a good result. But, you know, I, I'm, I'd i be optimistic and, and uh, with Bava Raman hopefully coming in as well, um, I'd, I'd probably go for a 2-1 home victory. Everyone will go home happy if it's a 2-1 victory. <laughs> let's let's hope that is the case. Um, Jonathan, thank you very much for joining us um, on the Reading FC segment of this. We're going to hop over to the view from the opposition now um, with the Every Step Along the Way podcast. Jonathan, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Enjoy, enjoy the game. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Elm Park Rolls preview podcast obviously brought to you by phantom brewery we are now jumping across we've obviously just spoken to jonathan lowe reading fc reporter we are now jumping across to the view from the opposition with dan from every step along the way podcast how are you doing dan i'm all good thank you mate how are yourself not too bad not too bad it, it it was better at the weekend when we were top of the league but we'd rather have been brought back down to earth and kind of in our rightful place at, at this point now so but um but yeah we obviously going to be facing off against stoke this weekend um we had a quick chat actually before the podcast there's a bit of a misdemeanor with reading fans that we never do well against stoke um which we we never normally win but we quite often draw as I think you were talking about it on your podcast yesterday, Dan, you were saying before. Yeah, so um, like I say, we, we we thought there was loads of draws, but we've only ever actually won once at, at your place since 1992, which I think is 17 games as well. So it's not as if we haven't really played each other in that time, because I know some statistics like that can be a bit skewed, can't they? It's like, oh, it's only played each other three times. Absolutely. But yeah, we've sort of 17, 17 games. I think you'd won nine, seven draws, and then one win to us. Which so maybe was... maybe it is a bit of a misdemeanor, Reading fans. We don't always do that badly against Stoke. Maybe away from home at the Potteries, but who whoever does. Um, <laughs> so I think there's only really one place I think we can really start our analysis analysis of Stoke Dan you might be bored of the conversation by now you might be loving it because obviously it is the topic of Mr Alex Neal and stealing him from Sunderland as a fan it must be wonderful taking a manager like that away from a club like Sunderland I mean give us a bit of insight what are your thoughts following it and kind of the mad week that has been do do you know what like we um when we obviously when Michael O'Neill left, he was not even in anybody's sort of thoughts. He was not in anybody's. He was not in any of the sort of the polls that you see out there. You know, picky mix, match state manager, none of that. And when he was when he was then linked, I was I was a bit like like nah, like really because you think back to like his Preston days, you think yeah okay, we've just the the fans. Unrest came from. They said that that you would do a board with Michael O'Neill, and I was—I'll be honest—I was a bit like, 
I want to give him a bit more time, I'll be honest, because I thought we had real bad luck with injuries going back like through his entire tenure, really. Um, it seemed to me that he'd develop a young player. First, it was like Tyrese Campbell. Then he was out for 12 months. So the following season, that wrote off that season. Then the following season, it was Harry Suter. And then he got a, you know, he got a, a, a season-ending injury playing for Australia in October. Seemed to wipe out that season because everything was drawn around him playing in that 5-3-2 uh, formation. And it was the reluctance to change from that formation when he didn't then have the players to play it that he eventually did for him. And I was thinking, you know, people are people saying they're bored of, uh, of O'Neill. And then I was thinking back to Alex Neal at Preston. I was like, I can't really see there's going to be much difference there. And then he sort of like, is a bit like Tony Pulis kind of thing as well. There was that sort of, he's sort of that kind of mould. However, the sort of the backlash from Sunderland fans and the upset that's come from there. And then I started digging a bit deeper into what he's doing there and, Apparently he's quite fluid with his tactics. He's changed his formation quite often. He's, you know, he's not scared to make early subs. And actually, oh, actually, yeah, it sounds like he's learned a lot in the last few years, and it could be quite promising here. So, yeah, and I know that we chased him when he was at Preston. When they started, when they appointed O'Neill, they, they went for Alex O'Neill first, and he he ended up signing a new contract at Preston. Um, so I was sort of half expecting the announcement of him having a new deal at Sunderland, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it, it seems that he's come in and he said all the right things. I mean, what manager doesn't when they first join a club? They all, you know, you always hear that first press conference, don't you? And think you know, battle cries and all that. Um, you get that yeah, initial like, excitement and everything when when they come in and say that. Yeah, so they, they, they never sit there do they, and sort of play it down. It's all sort of getting everybody on side. And yeah, I think now the fan base seems to be quite united again, which is something that is quite rare at Stoke. <laughs> even even during like the days of like, like say when Tony Pulis was in charge, there was still a division of people who weren't happy within there. And then that then filters into the next appointments because then you have your supporters of him who don't want to support the next guy because this, and it's sort of gone on for years. But, Actually, right now it actually feels like everybody's behind him, which is good. Yeah, it's what you want in a club ultimately. And to be honest, if you're a football fan, there's nothing more than pissing off uh, quite <laughs> yeah. a large other fan base in Sunderland. And to be honest, quite the rest of the league, because I think there's been quite a lot of people, I will be honest, myself included, that have thought, why would you leave Sunderland for Stoke? But, you know, if when it's your club, you don't really care and you don't care what idiots like myself think so it's uh we'll, we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes obviously hopefully for you guys it goes well but this weekend i will not be hoping it goes well i'll be brutally honest um as as i think everyone would anticipate um from the game it was in fact last night as we're recording this as we're recording it thursday night it was quite a positive start for for stoke obviously playing swansea Swansea like to retain the ball and everything, but I mean Stoke pretty much. They, uh, from from everything you can see, I think it's pretty much they dominated the game. Um, a few kind of key players kind of stick out from from the Swansea team. Um, one of them being a former Royal in Lewis Baker, Dan, and he's almost become a bit of a cult hero, almost in the 
was it now almost six eight months is it that he's been with you guys because was it january he signed with you yeah he signed from chelsea in january um and obviously we were quite excited when he came in and he sort of exceeded all of my expectations anyway even though we were ex- even though you're we thinking like oh yeah we're sort of a coup we've got here he could be he could turn out to be a real quality signing and he still like I say he went above and beyond anything that we were expecting even with them expectations uh he scored eight goals in the second half of last season um he scored both our away goals this season as well um so i know andy on our podcast last night said that in the past two years he is the top scorer away from home, even though he only signed for the club in January. <laughs> so Quite a seen, phenomenal stat. Yeah, from midfield as well. From midfielder. So, yeah. Um, and I think all his goals, are, I think he, he scored a couple of penalties and the rest have all been from outside the box as well. So, he, yeah. yeah, he likes that bottom right-hand corner. Don't tell he, your keeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I remember, I think... I, I think from memory, he only actually scored one goal for us. It was away at Hull City, I think, but it was an absolute thunderbastard from 30 yards. It was just absolutely lasered in. Yeah, he has the ability to do that. And almost he's become almost the heart of the Stoke City kind of um, midfield yeah. team now being captain. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he's got, obviously got the armband in the summer when Joe Allen left. Uh, I think what happened as well is, because of FFP and everything, because uh, Gary Rowett and Nathan Jones decided to spend about like five years worth of transfer budget in 12 months, um, we've sort of been recuperating that ever since and sort of, you know, free transfers and loans. And what's so obviously like, yeah, um, yeah so, so with that, Lewis Baker, he's come in and he is one of the few players in that sort of late 20s age range. We're all either sort of like 23 and younger or like 32, 35, 40 in the case of Phil Jagielka. So in that sort of like key key sort of like age range into that you want your, you know, your seven out of 10 players, your players, your manager can rely on every week who are in the prime, know the job. Um, he, like I say, he can send out there knowing they'll do it for him. He, we haven't got many of them. We've probably got, Another ex-player of yours, probably Josh Loran, who's injured at the minute. Um, he's sort of fits into that age range. And obviously him and Baker had hit it off at the start of the season quite well. So he's been missed. Um, and obviously the other player who had yet to step foot on the pitch, but that's to be expected with him because he's always injured as Nick Powell. <laughs> um, I'd say other than that, there isn't really anybody who sort of gets near the team who... Um, it was like say in that age range. So yeah, I think that's what we've been missing. And Baker at the minute is tasked with being the only one there to sort of try and hold everybody together. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um you you mentioned him there. Josh Lawrence left Reading in the summer. He I think so, some Reading fans kind of were were disappointed because of comments he made at the end of last season. Um, about wanting to stay and that it's the typical footballer thing that you know you mm. come out and you say I want to stay I want to stay or all of this jazz then doesn't but seemingly the curse of Reading FC's back room uh, or physio room I should say has seemingly transferred across to his time at Stoke because <laughs> he won't be playing he is injured um, do you know when he's going to be back is it is it a couple of couple of weeks couple of months well um, I 
mentioning Andy again, who does our podcast. He actually spoke to him after the game last night. He saw him coming out the ground and he asked him how long and he said, I've no idea. So doesn't Never very a well. good sign. Not no, a good sign. No. <laughs> <laughs> um and another person we kind of talked talked about pre before the podcast was um Dwight Gale, another player that was is new for you in this kind of almost new look Stoke City side. You obviously actually you brought in Dwight Gale and uh, is it, it's Liam Delap, is I keep wanting to say Rory yeah. Delap, but it's yeah. not Rory Delap. He is just a bit past it. Liam Delap <laughs> and Dwight Gale. They came in obviously with a lot of hype for you guys. Um quite rightly so, Dwight Gale, very accomplished championship striker very good record in the league and Liam Delap probably one of the more promising um, players from the Manchester City almost conveyor belt of young players how would you say that, that their early time at Stoke has gone and looking towards this game they've played obviously most of the game so far do you kind of expect them to start this weekend uh, Gail I think went uh, sort of picked up a knock last night so injury may really matter if he's fit I'm sure he'll play um, he's played seven games yeah, and he's yet to score. And I think when we signed him in the summer, we we um, we sort of thought, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a goal poacher and that's his game. He's going to be, you know, between the sticks, hanging around, but you've got to feed in the service and you'll put it in the net. But what we've found is actually he's a really good footballer as well. <laughs> um, so he's at, like at the, um, last night, he was playing more on the left-hand side and the lap was in the middle. And he was, you know, for, for a striker who's playing out of position, he was actually doing quite well. He's quite inventive. He knows he's putting good balls in for the for the strike, the other strikers as well. So even though he's sort of out of position and even though he hasn't scored yet, it's, it's funny. He's <laughs> He had the one cleared off the line last night. He's had four goals ruled out for offside and one for a foul on the goalkeeper. So... He's yet to score, but it actually, he's put the ball in the net like five times already. Been quite unlucky so far, you could say. Yeah, I think, and I know obviously, you know, as, as a supporter, you would say this, but I think at least two of those were actually onside as well. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's uh, you, you, you're always you're always erring on your side on those uh, on those marg- marginal decisions. But yeah. one thing that always seems to happen when we're whenever we play Dwight Gale, he always seems to be a menace and always. Again, we always seem to say this as football fans, but always seem to score against us. I will never forget him when he played for Newcastle. I think he he either got one or two. That I think he got two, and he nearly got a hat trick because, actually, no, no, he he he, he nearly got a hat trick because he punched the ball into the net, and he was complaining when uh, it was ruled out that goal from memory. Um, and I've hated him ever since then because I thought you moaning little. You know what? <laughs> he's got a history of these disallowed goals. Then. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that. You could say that. But hopefully, hopefully he doesn't crop up at the weekend. I know we'll, we'll have differing opinions on that. But kind of coming into the game, Dan, because I think pre-season you probably had quite a bit of optimism, I'd probably say, um, at Stoke, kind of with the transfers, the moves that you know you've you were making, but kind of seven games in, early days, you find yourself still in sixteenth place. It's obviously Reading in sixth place, unbeaten at home, actually a hundred percent record at home, three wins out of three. How do you kind of assess your start and looking ahead at the weekend? Kind of where do you put yourself, kind of thoughts wise, in the in 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 the in the scheme of the game? 
Uh, I think the fact we've had to change the manager so far would suggest we haven't had the greatest start. Um, <laughs> um, but I th- very much that was, I think, a hangover from the summer, uh, from sorry, from last season. And um, obviously, like you say, we've brought in uh, another signing today, so we've now got like ten new signings. Hoping that when they all bed in, that we, you know, we can sort of push on and push up the league. Um, we just seem to be like, like what you know, win, lose, win, lose, we draw, lose. We, we've got no, we no can't get a run going. Yeah, we've got no consistency. We just can't get a run going at them, and that's sort of been a problem for about three years to be honest now it's like I can't remember the last time when we had you know when we put like three or four games together of good performances and results and and I know the championships it's difficult to do that in this league isn't it but yeah I think that's sort of what we just miss I think if we can get something like that going we've got a young squad and I think you know it might just just give them a bit of an impetus to know yeah we can do this and I think what they struggle with is the setbacks. They've done it for a long time, and that's still going on this year. When they have, when we concede, a heads drop, and I think it sort of goes back to what I was saying before about not having those sort of older players in the squad or those, you know, the, those twenty-six to thirty-year-olds, the lads, the all young lads, and they look around and see other young lads, and they've all got their heads staring at the floor, and it's the nobody there to sort of g them up, pick them up, and will you go again kind of thing, apart from Lewis Baker charging around trying to carry 10 of them on his back. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, and kind of with the weekend in mind, one thing I asked on our previous podcast was for a player to watch out for. Um, when we did this previously, um, it was obviously a Sheffield United fan and any uh, listener who listened to that, it was number 15. I'm not going to pronounce his name. He turned out to be a very, very good player for Sheffield United. Actually scored twice and got man of the match. So, Dan, no pressure on this one, but you are <laughs> following a prediction like that. Who would you really look out for as a Reading fan in this Stoke City team? Who's one to keep an eye on? I'd say you you know about you know about Lewis Baker, so I'm not going to mention him. He's um, the easy one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's. he's uh, I'm going to say if he should start because he scored last night and he's had the last couple of games he's had off the bench, he's played quite well. If Tyrese Campbell starts, yeah, I'd watch out for him. Um, obviously, he was sort of ripping the league up before he got his sort of a serious knee injury a couple of years ago. He had he was out for 14 months. He came back, played the second half of last season, but actually never really got going. I think it was one of those sort of, he was using the second half of last season just to get him, you know, get, get a bit of game time. And then it was going to be this season when he hit the ground running. Um, he hasn't started since the opening day, but he's come on in every match. And he's, he's looking sharper and sharper. And he's, he, I mean, he went on, he like um, when we beat Blackburn last week, he sort of picked the ball up on the edge of his own box and ran right through into the uh, the Blackburn penalty area and done like a 60, 70 yard run, beat five or six defenders, and he laid it off to a uh, Demarjo Rat Phillips, who instead of taking the chance to have his shot, tried to play it back to Campbell. Who <laughs> mm. <laughs> we then had like three men all around him, and they just picked it off. Um, and I was, so yeah, so he's and then obviously he um, got the goal 
like I say, he got the late equaliser as well. So, yeah, I'd watch out for him. I say his goal last night was good because it was all about when I watched it back. It was all about um, sort of he hung back the ball coming across come in and he'd hung back and then he made his move. It was as, a very late uh, move. Yeah, as the ball went to Aidan Flint, he sort of moved in and he wrote, he timed his run perfectly and just sort of you know volley got anything on it from six yards out and he went in. It was all about sort of anticipation and movements, which is always good to see in a striker. <laughs> it's what you want. It's what you want. For those Reading fans who might not know what Tyrus Campbell looks like, number 10, look out for him. That is the pick yes. from yeah. Dan here. Now, um, he might be playing on the right wing, like right side of the three, if he is as well. Right wing, fantastic. So, Reading fans, number 10, right wing, keep an eye out. Um, one final thing for you, Dan, score prediction. Is it going to be a Stoke win, another boring Medeski draw, or SEL draw, I should say now? <laughs> I would say, yeah, I think one all. I think one all. We've, we've had, um, I'd say, although we beat Blackburn, we've had a couple of other defeats away from home, and I think Alex Neal will just taking his time to bed in, I think. He, got, he probably can't wait for that international break to get a couple of weeks with him. I think he's probably going to assess what he's got till then. So, yeah, 1-1. One, one. Wonderful stuff. To be honest, 1-1 one, one after a 4-0 drumming away from home, I probably would not complain too much at, and especially new manager, new manager bounce and all that. We love to say that as football fans, but <laughs> um, but but yeah, a 1-1 one, a one, one draw. Everyone, as I said on the last one, everyone goes home happy, kind of. <laughs> um <laughs> Dan, thank you very much, obviously, for coming on to the preview podcast. Um, Dan's podcast is, of course, the Every Step Along the Way podcast, Stoke City fan-led podcast. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back with you with a review of the Stoke game. Probably Sunday evening, we'll, we'll try and get it out. Keep an eye out on that on socials, and we will catch you all on the next one.